So Exodus 1 to 6, um, the Torah portion called Shemar, or also known as Names, is an incredibly amazing piece of scripture because it introduces us to this famous Bible character, Moses. Not only that, many people have missed the fact that, that Moses and his life and in many of the things that he did from his birth till his last day points to our Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. It is an incredible thing that when we start digging into our Torah or or, or, or Old Testament and we start reading these stories in light of what we know of what Jesus has done for us and who He is and in light of the New Testament, then it just explodes with revelation. And I want to submit to you that you can't understand the New Testament. You can't understand what Yeshua did. You can't understand what any of that to the full measure unless you understand the Torah and the prophets. The story of Exodus is full of signs and wonders and miracles. It's full. It's, it's a story where, where we really can see God's character and how He works and, and also learn from these people and how we should react when God works with us in the way He worked with them. There are so many pitfalls that we have as humans. We, we fall short so easily in terms of being imp- impatient or, or, you know, or, or asking or throwing our hand up to God and be like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow that to happen? But if we just get in the scriptures, we will actually learn and understand why these things have happened in our lives. And I hope that this teaching will show you this. So this story of Exodus started with a new Pharaoh coming in. And this Pharaoh not knowing or being familiar with Joseph. Because if you guys remember... Right before this, Pharaoh, the the previous Pharaoh that was in charge, had favor on Joseph. And Joseph was was exalted. But now this new Pharaoh comes in and Joseph has passed away. But now all the 12 tribes of Israel, they're there. And this new Pharaoh don't have the the same favor upon them anymore. In fact, this new Pharaoh gets afraid because this nation of Israel is now growing to such an incredible extent that he is struck with fear and that they might overtake him with his own enemies at some point. And so he starts implementing all these things to the different measures to to scale down on this population, to kill, to stop the babies from being born. And one of the things he does is he instructs all the firstborn babies. He, he puts out instruction in the land, a law in the land, that all the firstborn Hebrew babies, males, needs to be killed. As soon as they're, 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 they're born, they need to die. But so Mo, there's this boy named Moses, this little baby who's born. And Moses' mother seeks to save him. And what she does is she makes a little ark for him. Um, from from all kinds of branches and things, and she puts him in, and she puts him in a river, and on with faith, she lets him go into, down the river and hope that he might be saved. And so, of course, we know that Pharaoh's kingdom, Pharaoh's wife, finds this baby, and takes when when in the river, by God's grace and by a miracle, and draws him from the river. She calls him at this point. This point, she calls him Moses, Moshe which means drawn from the water. Now, this is amazing because as we go along, we're going to see that Moses' name, drawn from the water, has got everything to do 
with Yeshua and everything to do with what his life will entail. As Moses grows up, he, he sees, he looks upon his, um, his, his people who are in bondage, who are being driven by, by their taskmasters. The Pharaoh is really driving these people to, to their deaths in, in terms of labor. And one day, Moses looks upon one, one of his, his brethren, his Hebrew brethren, whom he associates with, and he sees this man being struck by a guard. And he gets angry. And what he does is he takes the guard and he kills the guard. He looks around first and he, there's no one there. And he's like, I'm going to... And he, he takes an opportunity and he kills his guard and buries, him, and buries him in the sand. What happens soon thereafter is he's confronted and someone confronts him and, and tells him the following. Two, he, he saw two Hebrew men fighting and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why do you strike your neighbor? And he said... Who made you a head and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Mitzrayan or the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, truly, the matter is known. There's an interesting thing that, that, that this man who, who comes up against Moses tells him. And he says, who made you a head to judge us? And if you guys watched my previous Torah portion of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, it's the same thing that they told Lot. They said, Oh, who are you? Will you always judge? You see, because when people see hypocrisy, Moses had hypocrisy. Lot had hypocrisy. Because Moses murdered, yet he was coming up and trying to be, bring justice while he was a murderer. You see, brothers and sisters, we need to understand that people look right through us. If our lives are not consistent if we walk out a different thing than what we talk and preach, people will laugh and they will say, Who are you to come and judge? Will you always judge? Lot was a judge who did not implement the, the laws of the land. And when he came to judge, he was like, Who? And they said, Who are you to judge? And the same with Moses. And if you live your life day to day and you are not consistent in your walk in complete utter obedience to the Father's instructions where your heart is, oh Father, you need to make me more like you every single day and you're seeking that without compromise, then people will truly see there's something different about this man or woman because they are actually walking out what they talk. Because brothers and sisters, we have so many people who are pastors and who have churches and people who consider themselves churchgoers who look more like the world than the world. And what people are looking for, brother and sister, look at me, listen to me. What people are looking for is the one who says, I follow the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, whose name is Yahweh. And I follow what he has decreed. And so because Moses was not in this and he, he had to bear the consequence of his, of his transgression. And he was cast out of the land. After Moses departs Egypt, he comes upon the household of the priest of Midian who had seven daughters. And we, the first encounter that, that Moses has with these people is a very interesting one. Moses comes upon this household. He sees these, these daughters drawing water. But then he sees these shepherds come and drive the daughters away. Moses intervenes and he actually drives the shepherds away. 
and he helps these daughters and he draws water for them. This Moses who just a moment ago was murdering a murderer suddenly had a change of heart in his casting out of the land. In his, as he was cast out and, and brought under obedience, he was humbled and he came upon these people and a different side of him came out where he came and saved and rescued these daughters from these shepherds. And the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and they filled the throws to water their father's flock. But the shepherds came and drove them away. Then Moses stood up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Now this story is very similar to another one. Isaac's servant went to seek a wife for him. What happened was he came upon a well and he said, Father, let the woman who comes and waters my camels be the, the, the wife for my master, Isaac. What in, what in fact happened is a, a, a woman came and said, Oh, sir, may I water your camels? And it's an incredible thing because as this was happening, this servant, was, was his mouth was probably like hanging open to, towards this thing because this woman was incredible woman of valor because she was demonstrating an incredible side of her character. You see, brothers and sisters, love is an action. Love and that character that is a godly character is not demonstrated by mere words yet again, but it's demonstrated by character. Because see, what many people don't understand is, is when this woman came to the servant and said, can I water your camels? To water a camel is not one trip. To water a camel is a whole day's journey of work, of going back and forth. Because a camel has those humps on their back and they take water and they take water and they take water and they take water. And see, it's not only the sign of, that God has done, but it's this, this incredible act that the servant sees. And in the same way, we see this thing with Moses because Moses comes upon these seven daughters and does the same thing. He comes and he, he, he saved, rescues them from these shepherds. What he then does is he draws from the water, just like his name. Moses' name means drawn from the water. And now Moses comes and he draws from the water and he shows them his character. The women then return to their household and they tell their father about this incredible man who did this thing for them. And this man, this, this, this master is like, so where is this man, Moses? Let him come. Why didn't you bring him to us? And he opens his home to, to Moses. And as he opens his home to Moses, he soon also gives support for Moses. And, and, and it's an amazing testimony where, where it actually it's a lesson for us who are still seeking wives, who are still seeking a husband. That the way that we see and identify a husband that God has set apart for us is by the way that they act towards us. What do they do? What, not what they say. They can, be, they can be a smooth talker. They can say all these amazing things, which is good. But do their actions follow what they say? Because see, brothers and sisters, you want a man or a, 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 a husband or a wife 
that one day will, will be a husband or wife that sacrifices, that does, that goes the extra mile, that waters all the camels, that drives away the, the, the false shepherds. And so we, when we seek a husband or wife, what we need to be doing is asking the Father, Lord, give them to me, show me a sign. But then we need to look to their character. Is there character of the character of Moses in this instant? Is there character of the character of Rebecca when she came to water the camels? And it's an incredible thing because we now start seeing Yeshua, Jesus' character on Moses. We start seeing that, 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 that Moses' life is simply a foreshadowing of the life of Yeshua. There's multiple things that start happening, incredible parallels with the life of Yeshua that God has set up for us in the Torah that points to the New Testament. One of the first things that we see is here in this very thing where Zephora, her name means in Hebrew, when we go to the Hebrew root word, her name means bird. And it's, it's amazing because Moses' name means drawn from the water. Her name means bird. So I want to ask you the question, where did we have someone who was drawn from the water who, and, and it involved a bird? It was, of course, the baptism of Yeshua. Where Yeshua, he, John the Baptist came and he, and he drew Yeshua from the water. After his death, he was resurrected. That's what the, up, the coming out of the water represents. And we read in the scriptures that a dove came upon him as the Spirit of God. And in the same way, this story of Moses, Moses meaning drawn from the water, and this bird, Zephora, descending upon him, and they marry. And it's, a, it's an incredible union, just like the, the, the Holy Spirit and Yeshua, and the Father, they're one. It's in a union. They, they can't be separated. And in the same way, when we are baptized, and we come out, out of the water, there is a union that takes place with, uh, between us and the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, the set-apart Spirit of God. Furthermore, as I mentioned with Yeshua's name, meaning drawn from the water, we see these multiple acts and things that Moses started doing that, that is a, a, simply a, a, a picture of his name. Because Moses's name, Moses was drawn from the water as a child. That is, there was this kindness that was shown to him by the Egyptian. And now Moses is doing the same because now he is the one drawing the water for someone else. He's doing this act of kindness for someone else, for these seven daughters. And then we also later see Moses' Moses's act with, with the rock where he strikes the rock. Or, and, and speaks to the rock in the, in the Exodus. And water is drawn from the rock. And it's brought forth for all these people of Israel. God's people. And it's an incredible thing because, God, because that rock is Yeshua. He is the one where the living waters flow from. As we read in John. Out of his belly will come rivers of 
of a flowing water, of living water. And we also read in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this, where he says, For I do not wish you to be ignorant, brothers, that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed. And that rock was Messiah. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah didn't come only then. He's been here from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was that rock that was, that was spoken to. He was that rock that was struck by Moses. And so we see him be encompass all this living water. We see him with the women at the well, with the water, just like Moses is at this well, just like this other, just like Rebecca is at the well. We see the living water drawn for this woman, the Samaritan woman, and, and he says, I have water that, that, well, that I can give you, that if you have a drink of it, you'll never go thirsty again. And this woman is like, Oh, Rabbi, tell me, where can I find this living water? And see, brothers and sisters, this living water was brought forth by God through Moses as well. He was a vessel that was simply used to bring forth the living water as well. The Word, the Word that became flesh. And that Word is the Torah and the Prophets. What, what we see in the front of our book, the Scriptures, that became flesh because why did it become flesh? Because Yeshua walked it out perfectly. That's what it means. He walked out every instruction perfectly, never fell. And then he said, walk as I walk, drink of me and you will never go thirsty again. In other words, if we walk as he walked, do what he did, drink of him, of his teaching. We will do the Torah and the prophets, walk his commandments out perfectly in light of the revelation of our New Testament. And when we do that, we will have, we will never go thirsty again. We will be filled. You see, brothers and sisters, we have many who are in our churches today, many who are in, 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 in that place, but they are not filled. They're still hungry. They're like, they're, it's like they're like looking at a little tap and they, this tap is dripping. And they, they just want a little drip, but they don't understand that they can just open up the tap like, and let the loving water flow if they get in, their front, of, in the front of their book. Because we only have the f- most of many of us, we're only in the, in, the, in the back of the book, in the revelation that's built upon the foundation, the Torah and the prophets. And we're trying to get something that's built upon the foundation while not even having the foundation in the first place. Without having the word that became flesh in the first place. And that word is the Torah and the prophets, like I said. So if you walk and follow it, if you study the front of our book as we're doing here today, you will truly have a drink of Him and you will never go thirsty again. But if you don't get in this part of your scriptures, you will never be satisfied. And we see in, in Exodus 2.17 that the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. And it's, it's the same thing. Yeshua, with these, these shepherds that, 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 that came to to persecute these daughters of many, uh, these seven daughters, it, they represent the Pharisees who came to to persecute and to came to oppress all these uh, people later at the time of Yeshua, at the time of Jesus. 
And Jesus was Moses. He, was, he represents Moses. Where just like Moses came and drove away the shepherds, Yeshua came and he drove away the Pharisees. And he said, you come and you burden these people with all your traditions which you lift above the commandments of God. And what Yeshua did is he nullified the commandments of the church at that time. Uh, the, the traditions of men who opposed the commandments of God. And he not only did that, but he taught them. He gave them the water, the living water. What did he teach? He didn't have a New Testament to teach them. He and his disciples, they were simply teaching the Torah and the prophets. He said, go to the seat of Moses, to his disciples. Go to the seat of, Mo- of Moses where the Pharisees sit. Go and listen to whatever they tell you. Whatever they tell you, you go and you listen to and do. Oh, that's a big issue. Because now he just told them to be obedient to the front of the book. Much in contrast to which which many of our churches are teaching. And he said, go, listen and do the the front of your book. the, The teachings of what I gave my servant Moses. And, and so, see, brothers and sisters, of course, the implement, Yeshua taught this in a lot of the revelations of the, what we have in our New Testament. But he did not come to abolish the Torah and the prophets, as he said in Matthew 5, 16. I don't come to abolish it, but come to bring it to its full meaning, to build upon it. You see, that rock that was struck in the Exodus, where the water came poured out, which was, which was Yeshua. That rock which was Yeshua, the water came poured out, and the people drank, and they were satisfied. In the same way, He was struck on that cross, and the water came poured out. And when we drink of Him again, we will be satisfied. But you cannot do away with the one or the other. You need You need the full revelation of him. You need all of him. And he walked out both the front and back of the book. And so what we then see happen is is Moses' father calls Moses to this this, this holy ground, this, this burning bush. And father Yahweh Elohim, he speaks through this burning bush. And he comes and brings Moses and he says, Moses, I am calling you and giving you a commission. I am calling you to bring my people out of the exodus. I'm going to set them free because I've heard their cries. And God tells Moses a few specific instructions, more specifically signs, signs that he will do to show, to confirm that he is a servant, both unto to, to the people of Israel and unto Pharaoh. And in the same way, we're going to start seeing these signs these five three or four four or five signs given to Moses the same signs that God gave to Yeshua to Jesus to confirm his divinity and his purpose to the world the first sign that we see is as God tells Moses Moses this is the first sign and this sign is for you Moses and it's it's a and this sign is that you will bring my people out and you will Worship me on this very mountain. And see, this is, is more a promise than anything else. Where God first makes a promise to Moses. The, first, the second sign that, that he gives Moses. In, in Exodus 3.15 he says, And Elohim said further to Moses, Thus you are to say to the children of Israel, Yahweh Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever. And this is my remembrance to all generations. And he, see, he says, God says, this is the sign that you will give to you, the people, to, to, to Israel, to my people, my, the Hebrews, is that Yahweh is my name. I am the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Yahweh is my name. And then he says, this is my remembrance unto, throughout your generations. And, and that's incredible, guys, because now this is, is an instruction. God is saying, my name is Yahweh. This is who I am. This is a remembrance that you need to preserve throughout your generations. This is, one of the, this is the first sign given to Israel, guys. The very first sign. And if you open your King James, if you open any, most of your Bibles, you will read something along the lines of, Thus you say to the children of Israel, the Lord of your fathers, the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name to be a remembrance. And it's kind of ironic because a lot of our Bibles have removed the name Yahweh and replaced it with Lord. And now God is then here saying in that, those translations, my name is Lord and you should remember my name, which is Lord. Which makes absolute no sense because his name is not Lord. Lord is a simple title. His name is Yahweh. And see, this is an incredible instruction that God gives Moses, the first one, the first very sign that we will know him, is that we will know him by his name, Yahweh. And if you go into our churches and our Christianity today, which, who I love, I love my I love my brother and sister so much. Many of them have, have fall, I don't even know what his name is. They know him by Lord, by no, but they know him by God, but they don't know him by his proper name, Yahweh, yod heh vav and then we have Yeshua, which means Yahweh is my salvation. He is, he saves. And Yeshua's name is salvation. How amazing that father calls his son salvation. And see, brothers and sisters, I, that's, I want to submit to you that, you know, I, I understand, you know, we have been divorced from his name. I'm not judging or, or anything. I'm just saying, let's return to his name. Let's Let's start calling him by his name because he said, if the father's heart is, he says, I, I want you to call me by my name. This is my sign to you, my people. This is how I want you to know me, by my proper name. Just like I call you by, by, by your name, Moses. I want you to call me by my name. The, 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 the third sign is that God tells Moses that he is going to give him, he, he, he tells Moses, pick up the rod. Moses picks up the rod and the rod turns into a snake. And this is a, the first confirmation of, of, of him. Know that the rod, that, that rod represents, um, is, is in the, when you go to the Hebrew word for that rod, it's branch. We know that he is the branch. He is the tree where, where we are grafted into. Yeshua is that branch. And if you think about it, this rod is going to be the thing that, he, that Moses is going to do many mighty miracles with. He's going to split the sea with. He's going to strike the rock with it. He's going to do all these amazing things with this branch, with this rod, which is Yeshua. And, it, and it's just a picture of how everything Moses did, every miracle he did, the splitting of the sea, everything, was simply by the power of 
Yeshua. The very same power, the, the very, brother, sister, listen, the very same power that the, the first disciples walked in, that Yeshua walked in, that everyone else that he, that he calls us to walk in, which is the Great Commission, is the very same power that comes from that rod that Moses used to strike. The next sign we then see is we see God tell Moses, I want you to take your hand, put it into your cloak and take it out. And when Moses did that, he looked at his hand and he saw his hand became leprous. And he, you know, I can just imagine the fear of struck, Moses struck with fear and, and God says, take your hand, put it back into your bosom where your heart is. And he takes it out again and his hand was restored as the other. And we see that this is a picture of, of Israel at the time. To understand this, we need to understand that a leprous person, someone who has leprosy, is someone who is excommunicated from the world. They, they're they're, they're contamin- con- contagious. So they, are, they have to be in quarantine. They, they lose their identity. No one wants to do anything to do with them. They are considered, according in this time, they were always considered to be people of sin. People who sinned and this disease came upon They became leprous because of their sin. And so, and, they, and these people felt divorced, these leprous people. And in the same way, this is a picture of, of Israel, the, this very people that Moses is called to. This is actually a, a symbolically a leprous people who have been cast out, divorced. They feel divorced from God. They feel like God has forsaken them. They feel and they cry out, Lord, where are you, Lord? Save us, O Yahweh. And see, this is the picture. And, and God, this miracle is the, is the picture to them. Moses, God tells him, Moses, to go to the Israel and show them this, where this is him putting his hand in and he said and he shows him you are leprous right now and he puts his hand in and he takes his hand out and it is whole and it is God's message to say I am going to to heal you I am going to to take this leprosy from you I'm gonna make you as whole as you were at the time of Abraham Isaac and Jacob I am going to save you and the last sign that God gives is the following and it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice. That you shall take water from the river and pour it out on the dry land. And the water which you take from the river shall become blood on the dry land. And so, brothers and sisters, doesn't this just sound so familiar? Again with the life of Yeshua. And, and God says, tells Moses, I want you to take water. Pour it if they don't listen to you. God, Moses, listen. If they don't listen. If they don't heed your first signs. I'm going to give you this last one, this final sign, where you will go and you will pour out water on the ground and it will turn into blood. And see, brothers and sisters, this is the very picture of Yeshua, where, where the Pharisees came to Yeshua and they said, Oh, give us a sign. Give us a sign, O Yeshua. Jesus, give us a sign. And he says, oh, you wicked and perverse generation. I tell you, no other sign will be given to you other than the sign of Jonah. Where Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three, three days and three nights and was raised out of there. In the same way, the Son of Man will be in the midst of the earth for three days and three nights and raised from his grave. Resurrected from the dead. And that is the sign of Jonah. And in the same way, this is... That is it, brother and sister. He would, that sign of Jonah, that, that was where he was on the cross. He was struck in his side. Water came pouring out and it poured out on the ground as blood. 
and see, brothers and sisters, is the same thing with Moses. When that sign is all a picture, where he poured it out, it's, it's all a picture of Yeshua. And see, brothers and sisters, just imagine this. The Israel didn't even understand this, but, but he went and, and, and he, the world didn't understand the sign at the time. But Moses poured his water on the ground. It was a, 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 a proclamation to the whole world, even to Pharaoh, even to Egypt, even to those unbelievers. There is going to come a man. There is going to come a Messiah who is going to save you. A Messiah who is going to be struck and he's going to be pouring out his blood. Not only for Israel, because this sign was not only for Israel. This sign was for Egypt too, for Pharaoh too. And he said, and this Messiah will be poured, pouring out his blood, not only for Israel, but for the, but for the whole world. And so Moses continues to proclaim this this these signs to his to to his people to Israel he takes Aaron with him and Aaron goes and and speaks with him and Moses proclaims it and and the people rejoice and they they accept the signs but what follows is disastrous instead of 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 of, of a good thing coming from this something really bad happens so after Moses confronts the people as well as Pharaoh the following happens and the same day, Pharaoh commanded the slave drivers of the people and the foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and lay on them the required amount of bricks which they made before. Do not diminish it, for they are idle. That is why they cry out, saying, Let us go slaughter to our God. When God makes a promise, and it does not come to pass immediately, what will you do with it? You see, brothers and sisters, the very first thing, one of the very first things that, that, that God told Moses is he made him a promise and says, On this mountain you will come and you will worship me. On this mountain will be a feast unto the Lord one day. One day very soon, Moses. And see, Moses confronts Pharaoh with these words. And Pharaoh, instead of heeding Moses, actually turns, his, turns around and gives the people more work than ever before. He drives them ever before and he says, Oh, you people, you're idle because you've got time for things like this. I'm going to give you more work. And Pharaoh hardens his heart and actually curses the people more. And see, brothers and sisters, and in our lives, the same is going to happen. God is going to make a promise to you and he's going to say, Oh, I'm going to bring you deliverance. I'm going to bring you freedom. I'm going to use you mightily in my hand. But see, right after God proclaims that to you, the enemy, the enemy is going to come. He's going to harden the hearts of people. He's going to bring persecution. He, he, there's going to come all kinds of trials and tribulation. And it's not going to look, it's going to look like God has forsaken us even more. It's going to look like God, everything that God said is not coming to pass. Oh God, why did you say that? God, why is it not happening? God, why is there delays? God, why is it not happening? And we start murmuring and complaining and calling out in God's name instead of simply heeding and being God has proclaimed it. Thus it will come to pause, no matter what this world says, no matter what circumstance I have, no matter what I experience, I will not live my experience above what God has promised. You see, brothers and sisters, look what God says next. Yahweh said to Moses, Now see what I do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he is going to let, let them go, and with a strong hand he is going to drive them out of his hand. You see, brothers and sisters, 
We just need to submit to the Father. We just need to come to Him and say, Father, you know what, Lord? You have made this promise to me. No matter what I see, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to murmur and complain like the Israelites. I am going to be faithful. I'm going to trust in you just as you are faithful towards me. You see, brother and sister, because when we worry, when we, when we are struck down by our experiences, and we lift our experiences above what God has proclaimed. We are in unbelief. We are in sin. We are in fear. And all because if you have worry, it comes from a place of unbelief and what God has proclaimed. And unbelief and that God is going to save you. And see, I'm, I'm telling you, God is, God is calling you today. And He's saying, I am going to give you signs. I'm going to give you wonders. I'm going to, by a, by, a, by a strong outstretched arm, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I am going to deliver you from bondage. I am going to give you freedom. But you need to trust what I'm proclaiming to you. If you do not trust what I proclaim to you, it is going to be, a, you are going to extend the time that you're in the wilderness because you, I am going to let you stay there until you stop complaining and start trusting. Stop complaining and start believing in me. And that is why we are going to, when we get to that part later where they enter the Exodus, that is why they were as long as they were in the Exodus because they murmured and they complained over and over and over again. And it was only after that generation totally passed away, that complaining generation. Then when the new generation came that followed God without murmuring, complaining that they entered the promised land. Do you want to pass away with this generation and your murmuring, complaining, or do you want to be part of the next one that enters the promised land? So brothers and sisters, let us seek to use our rods, use Yeshua, what he has given us. To, to work great wonders and miracles, not only for, for, for God's people, Israel, but also for the Egyptian, also for the unbeliever, so that they can see the amazing God that we serve. For we will soon see that when they in fact do leave Egypt and Pharaoh let them go, that even many Egyptians will leave a mixed multitude will leave Egypt with them. Just like Yeshua calls us to do these signs and miracles, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out the demon, raise the dead. You know, the very instructions of Yeshua and the Great Commission, He tells us to do so that the world can see and the mixed multitude can come out of Egypt with us and follow the God of Israel. All right, guys, I hope this blessed and encouraged you. If this teaching blessed and encouraged you, I encourage you to just share this with someone. So this good news, this water that goes forth and, and, and quenches our thirsts can quench the thirst of the multitudes. Share this with someone today. And thank you for sticking through with me. May God bless you and keep you, shine His face upon you, lift up His countenance upon you, give you grace, mercy, and shalom. And I'll see you guys in the next video.